Hello, everybody, and welcome to another beautiful edition of the Mad Men Recap. My name is Paul, and I'm coming to you high atop the beautiful Brooklyn studios here in beautiful Brooklyn, New York. That's right. I'll use beautiful twice in a row if I want to. Uh, as always, I'm joined by the most, I'm going to say it, most vocally attractive co-host in the business. His name is Dr. John. How are you? At least I got the vocals. This is true. Coming to you, um, by the way, uh, from uh, his home studio in, uh, in Columbus, Ohio. You're back home, right, pal? That's right. We're back. Indianapolis was beautiful. Yeah. Nice to be back. Yeah. You, you know how I love Indiana. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Indiana uh, is facetiously one of my favorite states. Um, facetious? Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Do we have any listeners from Indiana? Yeah, actually, we had a couple uh, couple notes from Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Indi- Indians. Indianapolis. Not yeah. important. Yeah. What is important, John, is that we're here to do some recapping. Uh, that's right, folks. Uh, another episode has happened. Um, we are here to recap for immediate release. What an episode, John. Your thoughts. I think that's the point of the show. But no, it was a great uh, it was a great episode. I think we got a lot of comments. People felt that this was a much more imminently watchable episode compared to how the season had started off. I feel like a lot happened, obviously. Big things happening, John. Big Huge things, things happening. A lot of moving. A lot little of shaking. A little shaking. And, uh, you know, I, th- I thought the story was told pretty well. Uh, although it definitely had, um, I don't know, it, it definitely felt like it hit you with the, a little bit of that kind of... Uh, you know, you just couldn't believe it there at the end. Just couldn't believe it. Like that doesn't uh, happen, right? That's not going to happen. That can't. It happen. happens all. It happens all the time, John. I merged three times this morning, but with other people. Oh, moving on, John. Uh, just to keep things rolling, because we have got a lot to talk about. I have one thing off the top of the show. I just want to get out of the way, folks. If you remember last episode, and I hope you do. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, I was able, after a lot of, with some help from an um, electrical engineer, um, various wrenches and soldering irons, got uh, the soundboard fixed. And uh, I got to say, John, it went over very well. The listeners yeah, seemed to love it. The listeners seemed to love it. Now, folks, I don't know if you know this, but I have a cat, and he is a son of a bitch, mostly because it's a cat, just in general. Um, during the middle of the night, last night, as it were, Pushed the soundboard for no good reason. Pushed it right off the studio desk here, and it was destroyed. That's terrible. It is terrible, John. I don't have, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, I, it was one of those. It was. It was one of those from, um, you know, from from the early days of recording. So back, um, back in the uh, in the rolling seventies, as they called them, it was a huge board. It was the size of my desk. All the knobs and switches. You wouldn't believe how difficult it was to run. Um, and, um, so there, I can't play any more booing sounds or any more chimp sounds or radio or, or, or record screeching sounds. I, I, they're all gone. They're all broken. So, um, I'm sorry, everybody. Not as sorry as we are. I would have put a boo right behind that. Boo. But you can't. But I can't because it's broken. John. Yep. Let's get to it. All right. No, you don't like the small talk. We got a lot to talk about. Well, what I'd like to get to is to, you know, from an educational standpoint, see sure. if you learned anything. Sure. Um, John, I appreciate uh, I appreciate your inquiry. And in fact, I did. The three things I learned 
for immediate release here in the year 2013, year of our Lord. Number one, paint fumes affect Peggy in a sexual way. Yeah, she didn't do real well with those. Hey, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, those paint fumes can really send you for a loop. I painted a, we painted a room in here, the apartment once. It was bad news. I, uh, I thought I was a donkey for a half an hour. Or maybe she did very well with those. <laughs> Number two. That was me trying to do some soundboarding. I, I miss it already. Number two. Talking to Pete Campbell is like the most boring dream you'll ever have. That's believable. I mean, you could be right up there as well with one of your worst nightmares. Oh, right? Yeah. It's I mean, a your, sweet your dream. gaze just gets lost in that spike of a forehead. It's a, it's a boring dream or a horrifying nightmare. Was that Rihanna? Is that a Rihanna song? <laughs> uh, what, what else you learn? <laughs> Number three, and I did not know this, and this may surprise people because, you know, we do pay attention to the episodes. Don loves puppies. Who knew? Well, we, we knew that. Let's be honest. We knew that. Don runs out to buy a puppy, you know, back right. season one. Right. That's true. They had a dog, right? Did they just kill that dog? Whatever happened to that dog? No, no, I think I think that dog was actually uh, pressed into military service. Oh, is that right? Were they were they, were they rationing dogs at one point? Yeah, yeah, little known part of history, yeah, but that's yeah, that not, another another show. I'm not too good at history, John, so I'm glad you brought that up. I'd like to talk about it, but we'll save it for later, John. Um, if you're if you're interested, I'd like you just to ease me in. Okay. To this episode for immediate release. And so, you know, just like dipping the toe in the pool, here we go. Mm-hmm. We have uh, th- just the most interesting group of people. I have to say, this one just kind of hit me in the face like a splash of cold water. Not only do you have Pete, Bert, and Joan in a room with some banker guy, but you also, have guy. Pete, you also have Pete and Bert's sweaters. And those two things combined didn't see it coming. No, but, but I do like uh, Joan's new haircut, by the way. Yeah, no, it very looks, feathery. Very feathery. Feathered, I believe. I believe feathered is what we want to what we want to say there. But apparently, what we are bandying about is the possibility of taking our little Sterling Cooper Draper Price public. Well, putting it on the market, as it were, which let's be honest, wasn't anywhere close to fifteen thousand at this point. But they were kind of looking at share prices. The banker says nine. Bert's like, well, let's do the 12. You know, the, yeah. Pete's talking about just how much money we're talking. Jones, 5% would put her over a million dollars. I think close to a million dollars, John. Let's just to be fair. Either way, a lot of money. She actually sure. gets a little lightheaded between that news and the booze. Yeah. And if, I uh, had that, if I had that kind of news, yeah. I'd be a little lightheaded. Yeah? That's some serious coin, John. Absolutely, I think that's. I mean, that, that actually would probably cover the uh, the national debt today if you did the scale. I don't think that's true. Mm. Mm. Anyway, John, one of my favorite parts of the scene: the calculator he's using, mm-hmm. that big red space-like machine. Yeah, incredible. If you could, if if anybody has one of those laying around their house and they want to send it to me, feel free. We'll, we'll I'll give you my home address at the end of the episode. The original Texas Instruments, indeed. 
But uh, yeah, so so we get that. Uh, you know, they say, well, we've Pete says we've got that barrier cleared. You know, this is going to happen. Now we got to somehow clear it with Don. You know, and I think that the, the whole episode starts off on a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a tart note with this being done. You know, kind of backdoor dealing. Oh, you, know, you think this is backdoor dealing, not John? These folks we know it is. Uh, well, we don't know it is. I mean, yes, we do. Don's not in there, but I mean, uh, why would he be involved with uh, the situation? No dice, huh? I don't know. I think it sounds like a good idea. Uh, either way, uh, we we uh, we find ourselves uh, talking and getting a little creepy with Rapey Pete. Um, as we all know, Rapey Pete is the worst of all humans. Uh, it seems like he hits on Joan, which is, I, I've got to say, the longest of long shots, uh, John. It's uh, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a moonshot. Am I right? Did you think that was really a legitimate, like taking a stab? I think you know I, he's just he's just he's just swinging for the fences all the time now. Why not? We're gonna be filthy rich. Yeah, we're I, we're I, boozing it up. Running yeah. up the flagpole. Yeah, see what sticks. There you go. I don't know. Um, but anyways, so thankfully she doesn't go for it. I think we would have uh, completely just boycotted the show if John oh, had yeah. uh, gone for, for Mr. Campbell. Yeah. But luckily we go, we go from them doing this little behind-the-scenes stuff, and we get to see Roger. You know, Roger's actually working. <laughs> Is that what they call it? That's, that's what he calls it. I don't know what the kids are calling it these days, John. So I appreciate you filling me in. I don't know if you've uh, I don't know if you've kept a running tally mm-hmm. of the side boob. It's the season of side boob, John. Check it out. More and like the series. I think we are uh, we're we're seeming to turn a little more into the camera every time. Every time, and I can't. Is that like a pink and mustard camo? Underwear combination. I gotta say, I saw that. Uh, I was rewatching the show on the subway uh, uh, today, and I thought that was pretty. That was that's pretty effing cool. <laughs> but for for people that are simply listening to our show and don't watch the episode, which <laughs> which you shouldn't do. <laughs> but uh, Roger has just finished a uh, a night of uh, intense conversation with this young blonde woman who turns out to be a stewardess. Mm-hmm. Uh, on an airplane, mm-hmm. and uh, is, but we find out that Pete, uh, Pete Roger, is actually doing this with work in mind. You know, it's like, hey, how come you don't uh, give me any? Are you even working anymore? I haven't heard anything about your your flyer, pleep. You know, your guests, your uh, attendants. So mm-hmm. he's uh, he's used this as an inroad, and we find out that today is Mother's Day. That's uh, that's where we are in time. So May twelfth. 1968, just kind of hanging out, and uh, and that that's what Roger's up to. So it's Mother's Day. He uh, he tosses that that out. His mom, his mom just died to get a little extra affection from our uh, uh, woman of the skies. You don't know her name. I don't think she has a name. She has a name. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't get her name. I can't remember what it is, but she, they say it in the episode many times. Oh, Ooh, I, you are off your game. I, tonight, I missed that one. Off your game. Is it Joy? Wait. Rose? <laughs> Tammy? Cindy? Mar- Martha. Martha? <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, One boy. of those. I don't know. I, I would have taken Mrs. Doubtfire over what we saw next. Okay. Pete stripping down to his grungies. 
Oh my goodness. And the way that the camera angle is set, you really don't know what's coming into film. No, you don't. You know, in, into screen. Into frame. If he's, you know, if he's at, uh, you know, a house of ill repute. If, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's got, you know, a puppy in there, which would well, know, and here's, bother and, a lot no, but, of people. But here, here's, so, here's the thing. Uh, we did not know whether, uh, uh, you know, like what point of time we were in. So there was a lot of screaming mm-hmm. here. Uh, no, Trudy, no. How could, how could you, Trudy, take him back? And luckily we find out that indeed she has not. He has, he has wormed his way into their home and then wormed his way out of his pants and then wormed him his way into bed in the what seems to be early morning it does absolutely uh pete uh pete also uh fails at this not only can he not take a company public and there's a great joke in there somewhere he cannot (laughs) he he cannot he cannot seal the deal with this one either uh trudy says uh get the hell away from me he says come on big things are happening for me she said hey i'll take note of that well she's being somewhat pleasant you know she's like i've noticed your attention i have noticed uh you know i'll take note of of, yes these big things coming uh, which Mm -hmm. he apparently is very proud of and i you know who who wouldn't be with with that kind of stuff coming down the road exactly exactly we uh we then find ourselves at the uh Draper household. Thank God, John Marie is back. We certainly have got our fill of her over the past two seasons. Am I right? I don't. I think she's a pretty great character. I gotta tell you, I'm tired of Marie, man. Really? She's kind of a. She's kind of a. I don't know how you could be a, tired of Marie. She's kind of tough. I mean, she no, she's not exactly a pleasant person. She's not but she's pleasant. a great character. I guess so. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I guess she's a great character. Anyway. Um, we are, uh, looks like we're making breakfast. Marie's hanging around. She says that she's there because I, so, so Megan has a a brother or sister and there's grandkids and they call her grandma all the time and she's sick of it. Is that what we're saying? Yep. She's sick of it. Fair enough. Uh, it turns out the doctor comes upstairs and says that his son is home for mother's day and Don's like, how long is he staying? Okay. Calm down, tiger. (laughs) Uh, He says that uh, although uh, his son thinks that taking um, his mom on a walk through the park is a gift, um, she's going to expect a real gift. So he's borrowing some wrapping paper from Megan. And, um, you know, I guess just dropping that hint in there so we know that at least in this episode, there will be no philandering. (laughs) Actually, we'll find out this episode in probably a while while longer. Mm. But uh, so we... We move out of the apartment, right? And we move into the West Side. <laughs> what oh, is this? Oh, right, right. Yeah, I guess it's, I didn't really say exactly. I mean, they're not on the East Side. Apparently, they're on the West Side, but I don't know where. Um, and it looks as if Abe and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before or not, John. But uh, <laughs> I, I know Abe. Uh, we're uh, I don't want to say we're friends, but uh, you know, I know. Him. Wait, Have I mentioned that? Well, so in regards to the episode, wait, wait a second. <laughs> you know Abe? I know, I know him. I, we're not the best of friends. Do we hang out? No, not really. Have I <laughs> met him though? Yes. Is he a friend of a friend? I'm pretty sure. Moving on. You know what? That last little bit you just did made me think of. 
What? Help Poop me. on the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently you know, is something I think that apparently from the iTunes reviews, there are some listeners that would that would uh, agree with you that my humor is somehow on the same level with poop on the stairs. Which is what Peggy came across coming into their currently being renovated West Side apartment. Uh, Abe's trying to take care of some stuff, get it going. Clearly, he's doing a terrible uh, job. Yeah, can't do it. Terrible and Peggy even job. suggests, like, hey, how about we get somebody to work on it? He's like, why? Well, hey, you have no idea what you do. Handy, a handyman is pretty much just a thief in a van. When we get to, we get the what the what was that samba music? We get some very fun yeah. up loud yeah. music coming from the uh, the upstairs. Very ethnic area. So maybe like not that. the most pleasant place. I mean, the, really, the, when I saw that first shot, I, I always know like you know you're gonna do remodeling and, and things aren't gonna be perfect. But you know, is the way they the way they shot it, it just kind of made you think, why did they leave their previous apartment for this? Like it doesn't look that much more spacious. Well, no, if you notice, they have a renter upstairs who's a drug addict. So it certainly is more spacious. They're just renting the top floors out for now. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Thank you for helping with that. Yeah, I feel like that was something probably most of our listeners missed, too. And they're going to be like, oh, shit. Paul helped. <laughs> Paul helped. Oh. You're welcome. Oh, poop. Welcome, everybody. Um, so then we move on. Next day, Monday, starting the work week. Uh-huh. Uh, Pete comes up to Don. Hey, Don, they canceled dinner with Jaguar. He goes, oh, fantastic. Well, we can still have dinner and chat, you and I, buddy, pal. And uh-huh. I think Don's uh, quote was, let's enjoy the reprieve. Hell yeah. Which is fantastic. And then that's where he comes in and makes the comment to the effect that, you know, uh, listening to Pete was, in fact, like uh, just a terrible, a boring, boring dream. dream. Uh, it turns out um, that Roger has um, has cut Pete out of this meeting. Uh, with the Jaguar uh, guy. Um, and it's just supposed to be uh, Don, uh, his wife, Marie, Roger, and then um, the Jaguar turd and his turdy wife. Herb. Herb the turd. Yes. And, yeah. you know, I think that between, you know, Herb and dealing with Pete and, you know, the the poop on the stairs, we've had enough turds <laughs> to this point in the episode. And it's nice we get we we get a reprieve from that, and we get to see the Cutler Gleason Shaw. It's Cutler fascinating. Gleason. You know, this is a brand new set. We've never been in this room. Mm-mm. I don't think we've ever met uh, Senior Gleason. No, he's having uh, a tough time though. You know, he's got the uh, the head of the uh, uh, he's got the little ascot thing going, the little the little Scarf. neck wrap. I don't think yeah. that's a medical thing. Hey. When when is the last time you have sported uh, a neck scarf like that, like a like a like a cowboy kind of? S- s- I'm sorry. When is the last time I have Scott. sported or supported? Because I will always support. Had a mascot. Oh well, clearly. But it's been a while since I've sported. Are you wearing, do you usually wear one during the taping of the show? No, it's hanging up during the taping of the show. Oh, you don't want to get it. You don't want to get it dirty. No, no. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, we find out here in the long and short of things that um, uh, Chaw uh, is uh, is pitching uh, this new car. Um, and they're kind of they're kind of pushing the rocket ship thing kind of heavy, and uh, they've a- they've obviously been kind of working on it for a little while now. But they also had to give up their other car. Right, the Alpha, the Alpha Romeo. 
they mentioned The Graduate and how, uh, folks, I don't know if you've uh, seen that movie, but he drives an Alpha in that movie. And I've got to I've got to be honest with you. If you don't want that car, there's something wrong with you because that's great. Um, and so he mentions that, how those are flying off the lot uh, because of that movie. And now we're uh, we're doing some Chevy rocket ship piece of shit that I don't want to do. Um, but, John. Yeah. The bigger part of this conversation comes when we find out that his partner here has the cancer pretty bad. Really bad. Yeah. As in, we will not see him again. Man. I mean, and unfortunately, it's still really bad. I mean, there's always different kinds, but, you know, this is, this is what got Steve Jobs. This is, uh, you know, and pretty much based on the way they've done his makeup, like, he, he'll, he'll be gone in a month. Wow. So, um, it's a bad one. Pancreatic cancer. For the most part, really bad. They talk about Sloan Kettering, which is uh, still here in New York, advertised very heavily, too, by the way. Is that right? Yeah. Very, very heavily advertised as a as a uh, world-renowned cancer treatment center. It's beautiful, too. I've been in there. No, folks, I'm okay. I don't have cancer. Don't worry about it. Whew. Yeah. That was, that was me and everybody else. I'm sure yep. I could hear. <laughs> I'm sure around like like tomorrow at like I don't know, ten uh, thirty in the morning, I'll hear just a collective sigh across the old Brooklyn. That's or for not. other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, after that uh, that exchange, we 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 do find out that you know with with his partner leaving, um, or uh, Chaw cha- or dying. Or dying. Well, John, I'm trying to be. I'm not trying to bring this down. Um, he will uh, cash out essentially, and the partners will have to buy him out, thus putting quite a bit of strain on the agency to the point where it would potentially put them under. Especially if they don't get the car. Especially. So that's got to be weighing heavy on on Chaw and his terrible suit. Am I right? You're right. And you uh, know, on the other side of the terrible suit. We got Roger back in the grays today. I know. I liking it. It was fantastic. I mean, maybe that was the idea. We get an idea that he's back to, to working hard. Um, it, just a hysterical moment here where he uh, talks to his stewardess friend. Uh, she calls him with lead. We got a, we got a business guy. The plane's delayed. And uh, he goes to grab some um, satchel bag, and it's packed with sterling golds, copies. Yeah. I mean, just hysterical. He's polishing his shoes. He runs out of there. I mean, it's we haven't seen this kind of energy with uh, with Roger and work ever. I mean, no, yeah, I with you ever. You know, he's using the guy's uh, shoe sign kit who died. Oh wow! Look at that. Yeah, right. The one he broke yeah. down over. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, amazing time. He's shining his own shoes. Well, because he has the supplies now. God bless him. So he runs out of that office to get down to. Uh, I think he, yeah, he went to JFK mm-hmm. um, to uh, to see if he can uh, drum up some business. We then uh, we then find ourselves transported to an elevator, John, with uh, with Megan and mother in tow, and there it looks to be some maybe some high school girls who recognize Megan and love her show, John, and even ask for her autograph. And she gives it, and you get this kind of uh, not so much a sneer, but not the you know not not like a glowing look from Marie loves nothing. No, no, she loves nothing, John. Um, but it is a sign that potentially Megan's career is continuing 
to uh, to steadily uh, uh, take off. Oh, absolutely. And uh, she even says that later. You know, you've surpassed everybody's expectations. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's uh, you know, Roger makes his way to the airport, and he is he is smooth. Oh, right. He's at the uh, he's at the Northwestern Terminal, John. I don't think that airline is around anymore. I believe you're correct. That mm-hmm. has that has disappeared. But uh, you know, I mean, he, he ingratiates himself immediately, gets uh, gets some <laughs> gets some waters, some water for himself, uh, and a double Jim Beam for Mikey, his Mikey, new friend. Who 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 of that age inter- introduces themselves as Mikey? Uh, you know, that's a good one. I, I don't got any names in mind. Like Cornflakes. You know, that kid was like, uh, that kid was like nine. Right. Like Mikey Light. Do you think that was Mikey from that commercial? Well, I think your, your you know, grasp of time and space is a little off here. So, so? Yeah. But. How old do you think Mikey is from that commercial? I bet you he's at least 40. Well. Either way, are you annoyed by this comment? Come no, on, just not say no. It. No, just say it. What? No, I, I think I don't want to get on a fight. I don't want to get in a fight here on the show, John. But if you're annoyed by my comment about life cereals, Mikey, yeah, is just it? Just come out and say it. Can I hit like a, a button or something with a whoo? <laughs> All right, whatever. Moving, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Uh, let's see. What? Do we, oh, oh, John. Uh, this next scene. Yeah, it gets a little bit on the uncomfortable side. Am I right? Well, you just we're just talking about you know giving some parental advice, some motherly advice, John. Uh, I think Megan is a little concerned that maybe uh, Don is not so uh, into things anymore. I mean, they talk you talk about hitting the hammer on the head. See, uh, I, and uh, I thought the ironic part was you know when she says uh, he's so far away, it's like well no he's just upstairs. Ayo. Huh? Well, nicely done. Nicely done. Uh, Marie gives some advice to, you know, uh, maybe you don't dress like his wife. You dress like, you know, maybe a hot young thing you'd like to see. And then he'll be thinking about you That's... in a certain way. Uh, and uh, I think this caught Megan off guard, as it did catch, I think, uh, all of us off guard. Uh, Marie's a little blunt, but uh, but, you know, straight to the point. Good for her. And she does point out that, I mean, she's blaming Don's uh, distance on her success, on Megan's mm-hmm. success. You know, how, how she, you know, the autographs and the increased work and that kind of thing. So I don't even know if Maria is suspecting the, uh, you know, the upstairs affair, as it were. Mm-mm. I don't think so either, pal. But you know what we do find ourselves doing? Oh, no. Going, going, going to dinner. To, going to dinner with the most annoying people on the planet. Well, I uh, she she's annoying. He is just disgusting, right? Disgustingly terrible human being. Yeah, he's pretty John, bad. No, listen, you know me. I love animals. Am I right? Yeah, you got the yeah. cat that took care of your soundboard. Yeah, oh, good day that thing. Uh, <laughs> but you love animals. <laughs> whatever. Uh, uh, turns out uh, that um, apparently. Uh, 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 what's this guy's name? Herb. Herb. God. Herb, uh, his wife also loves animals and tells a rousing tale of, uh, how their, uh, how their dog had puppies in the garage. 
Well, yeah, and uh, Marie kind of loses it. She also tells a hilarious joke about how when she gets into the city, you know, it's only about 25, maybe 30 minutes. Um, she wants to go to museums. There's, a great muse- there's great museums here. I'm sure you've seen them. But she always ends up at Saks, John. And then she gets home. And what does Herb say? Tell us. Oh, you don't know? You going to leave me hanging on that? Yeah, no, I don't get that one. Oh, I forget. It was something like, Wow. Oh, what, what? What's the damage? What's the damage, lady? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no, no. It's something peaches. Hold on. I'm, I'm almost there. Okay. <laughs> okay, no, this is... Okay, go ahead. What do we go ahead? We, I'm ready to move on, man. We got to get... I know, move on, move on. Oh, okay, so we, we're going to take a, just a quick break okay. from the dinner How to go... How much damage did you do, Peaches? <laughs> oh, Sorry, I had to... Oh, that was terrible. I hate myself. But we, we take a break from the dinner to go to Bert and Pete and see that the public offering is a reality... Sure is. And. What? It is going to be at 11. $11. Oh. Um, and this was this was exactly what they were, you know, hoping for. You, you know, he pushed for 12. They really didn't think that was going to happen. Um, and they got 11. I mean, so everybody is very, very excited. And by everybody, of course, I mean Pete, Bert, and Bob Benson, who just happens to be there. Bob Benson is the best. What does he ask for? Bert asked for some like uh, some something of elderflower. Yes, the spirits of elderflower. What the hell is that, man? It's a sweet liqueur crafted in the artisanal French style from elderberry flowers. God, thank you, thank you for looking that up. No problem. But, like Bert is from. I realize Bert is really old, and we have honestly been predicting his death for the last eight seasons. But Christ. Actually, I think no. I think I've seen you with this bottle. Which bottle? The the Saint Germain. Is that the spirits of elderflower? Yeah. So you're telling me that I have spirits of elderflower on my bar right now, right? And I didn't even know it. Yep. Man, I'll tell you what, Bert. If you're out there and you're looking for someone to hang out with, come on over. I'll hook you up, buddy. Some spirits of elderflower. <laughs> what the hell? Why would you drink that straight? Well, what you know, I mean, everybody has their own way of doing things. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. But now we now we get back to, you know, to the dinner. The ladies step off to powder their nose um, after... after <laughs> somebody made a, a good point, as ditzy as Herb's wife was, with uh, Marie kind of losing her mind and calling her names. They could have uh, ended the dinner with the... Uh, the wife saying something in perfect French, that would have been like an oh, but and and completely unbelievable. Absolutely, because I mean, come on, folks. Right, but anyways, when they step away, Herb, after our last interaction with Herb, where he wanted to do the whole uh, radio ad for local yeah. guys, and uh-huh. and you know Don did the like most amazing submarine job ever. It was incredible. Uh, you know Herb's coming back at him and being like, you know, I got a guy. And uh, he wants to bring... No, 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 no. Please keep doing the Herb voice for the rest of this part. Well, I have, you know, I have to expend extra energy to push my, you know, jowls down. Go ahead. So, That's uh, fine. We understand. Take <laughs> take your time. 
I got a guy. No, he uh, he says that uh, he's got somebody that's going to write copy and gives him a name. And uh, so Don writes down the name and hands the card right back to him. And uh, they have a, a very heated back and forth. Um, I like the, uh, you know, I've I've done somersaults for you guys. And Don says, a, a man of your size. A man of your size? Yes. Hilarious. Um, this Herb is such a just piece of garbage. Well, and I think, you know, uh, when we go back to the beginning of Herb... Uh, we find that, you know, Don was the one guy that was completely anti this approach. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, he tried to stop it, but it was too late. He was unaware that it was happening. And I think he took this as a bit of a personal affront because he actually doesn't know why they got Jaguar. You know, if they had gotten it, it would have been because of his creative team and him. But with what happened, he doesn't, he doesn't know. Yeah, but the other thing is this guy is just a dealer. Like... I don't even know why they're meeting with this guy. Because remember in all the other Jaguar meetings, there's definitely guys from corporate there Well, like, right. on the shots? Yeah, the, the last time there was a corporate guy there, and they were like, no. And and then, of course, the original time, I mean, he was just like a, the third or fourth guy on the list. So, um, yeah, I don't, so that's why I don't understand this. Like, why do they even go to dinner with this guy? And you know, I, I don't. Yeah, I think it's a stretch. We don't want to uh, impugn the storytelling, but it does. It really feels like with this episode that we've gotten a a little bit of of just suffering of the the story. You know, we we don't get other than we know what he did with Joan. We don't have any other good reason why he gets to call these shots. And and then again, the whole thing that comes up later, as far as like, yeah, two two dudes just merge a couple companies. Like, uh, I don't know. All right. All right, yeah, apparently John's having some issues, but we can move on. We can move through that. Yeah. When the ladies come back to the, from the powder room, he says, hey, ladies, dinner is over. Don't bother sitting down. And uh, and they take off, and Don actually gives his chair a little push on the way out, like, F you, buddy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it, we, we didn't, what we didn't mention was that uh, Roger failed to show. Oh, completely. Now he, obviously, we know where Roger is. He, oh, I know. Yeah, well, <laughs> He's on a plane. Yeah. And he's he's uh, he's probably getting... His new friend Mikey, uh, just hammered from the Life Serial. Right from Life Serial, which you know is also a client of theirs. So it's the same guy. It's it's the same guy. It's the guy. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. It's the same guy that was in the original Life Serial commercials. But we get back to the apartment, and it looks like uh, (laughs) you just just, (laughs) okay. But we we have uh, we have seen that. uh, Marie's motherly advice seems to have worked um, uh, by way of Megan not wearing pants. And uh, Don, Don and Megan seem to get right to the after-dinner activities, leaving Marie to fend for herself with a second bottle of wine on the evening. Apparently, John, blowing off the client really heats things up at home. Apparently. Am I right or am I right? Well, I think Don might feel a little good about himself, you know, having exercised... Yeah. This, uh, this this demon, this black cloud that at least he's felt is a bin over him. Um, I will say this, John. Maria is in no mood to talk to Roger, who didn't show up tonight, and is the only reason why she went to dinner. Well, not only that, I mean, he didn't. When she finds out that he's calling for Don about business, and not cool, and not to say how sorry he was about her, uh, you know, she gets pissed. But again, I mean, we see this is this is Roger. This is business. I mean, this. This could make them huge. This will um, do it. You know, so he, he he is working, but apparently she is she's done with Roger. You know, good for her. That's right. 
And uh, he tries to call a couple times. She just keeps hanging up. And uh, I guess probably didn't want to interrupt Don anyways. Well, no. It sounded if uh, if they were busy. John, we've then find ourselves, uh, speaking of getting busy. Hey. At a, uh, at, thank you. Thank you. At a, uh, a Manhattan whorehouse, uh, apparently in Midtown, uh, we see uh, Bobby Benson. Yep. Uh, asking the whore if he can uh, if he can pay for his friend, and she says it's too late. Now this is what I don't understand, John, and I'm not a whore, so I don't know these things. But if if she comes out of the room already being paid, and then this other guy is like, "Hey, can I pay you again?" And I'm not saying that whores are bad people because listen, you got to do what you got to do. But would you not scam the guy to get paid twice? Yeah, I don't. I don't know that they're they're doing the math that quick in their head. And I mean, um, and don't and don't take this the wrong way. But any way that you can get a leg up in that business. Wow. Uh, it's, it's kind you of were working on that all day, all, all day, day. You're like, I have day. to make I have to make up for the soundboard. What can I do? I just I just need one joke. That's terrible. On top of all, <laughs> anywho, uh, she she does the right thing, John, and says, "No, I've already, I've already had that experience." Uh, Pete comes out, apparently very proud of himself. Way to go, pal! You did it. Um, and uh, we uh, we are then. What I like uh, the way they shot it is we see uh, Pete's father-in-law. Uh, come out of a room behind, following um, a um, a healthy African-American woman. I'm going to put it like that. I feel like maybe she was a bit disparaged in the episode. Um, saw some tweets that didn't quite agree with the approximation of her weight, and I have to wholeheartedly agree. Speaking of the uh, tweets, I, I did find one that I, I found very amusing uh, from Keith that wrote in about this scene when he saw his father-in-law and they make eye contact. If only the high five had been invented, Pete would have, an, have had an easy out. <laughs> That's pretty. So he's really a victim of That's his time. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Oh, man. Uh, clearly, another, another, uh, another awkward situation that could have been completely fixed with a simple... High five. Um, John, I thought, uh, you know, we see in this next scene where uh, he, he tells this issue to Ken. And Ken's like, you know, you've kind of got each other, right? Like, no one's going to say anything because you've kind of, come on. Right, because Ken, Ken offers us a completely useless insight to one of his childhood stories. Yeah, I don't even think that story was needed. I think everyone knew, uh, knew that. Yeah, that's sitch. how this works. Yeah, knew that sitch before. Uh and the and 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 the look on um, on the father-in-law's face is priceless. I mean, he is certainly um, uh, in a bit of a bit of disbelief and trouble. But I gotta say, the whole storyline about how he is more like so upset at Pete when he has done the exact same thing—it just makes no sense, John. Right, but I think when you you know when you get caught doing something like that. It's, you know, it's, it's what you tell yourself. You know, there's a lot of stuff that people do in this whole show that don't make a lot of sense. You know, just, but the whole thing about, you know, how Don can lie to himself and things don't bother yeah, him. but he still doesn't get caught that often. All the time. 
I don't know. I, just, I feel like just uh, I feel like uh, just the uh, the direct like the proportionate amount of embarrassment was so equal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Equal. We're both terrible. We're both scumbags. See you out there. Right. Talk. But I think you in know you know, I mean? in in her uh, in in Tom's mind, you know, this guy's Wait, with Tom? my daughter. Oh, oh, is that his name? His name is Tom. Tom. Tom Vogel. Tom. Tommy. Tommy Vogel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. But anyways, um, you know, I think that's how his mind is working. You know, yes, I'm doing something not good either. But this is my daughter. This is you know my princess. And this guy is a slime ball and a scumbag, and I can't have it. Well, John, so. let me tell you this. Speaking of slime balls and scumbags, yep. uh, uh, when we're in uh, Cosgrove's office, hearing his almost worthless story, um, <laughs> we get a phone call from Jagia, and Pete's like, "Why? what are they calling you for? And John, next thing we know, we get to witness probably the single best worst scene that this whole series has to offer. Pete comes a storming down the stairs and indeed has himself a bit of a fall. But first of all, this is now available as a GIF. Oh, I was just going to say, available as a GIF on our site <laughs> because I will put it on the post and for this episode. And secondly, when you are as much of a slime ball as Pete is, you're bound to have some slippery steps. Well, right. Uh, I think... Uh, I'm not going to make that joke. I think uh, I think what makes this extra bad is it's clear that uh, what Vince Vince what's his guts? Yeah, Karth uh, Karthizer. Karthizer. What kind of name is that? Karthizer. Uh, it's a, is that made up? That's a made up actor name. No, no, I don't. I think it's Egyptian. Oh, is it? He, anyways, yes. Are you, is, you're talking about it, like his his attempt at a pratfall. His. It, I mean, it's clear. From the moment he comes on scene, that he's concerned about doing this fall. Right. He kind of just sits down. Uh, it's not. It's not convincing at all. No. Is it the best thing I've ever seen in my life? Sure. Because <laughs> I hate Pete Campbell, but still. Well, and it's great because you know. I mean, Don's Don's just like you know what, and he says about Jag. And he's you know, he said we already lost the account about the uh, you know bringing in somebody else, and Pete loses it. And uh, and Pete just kind of instead of announcing in a joyous fashion to the company about going public, he screams it out, and everybody hears it, and uh, they have to be moved into the uh, into the meeting room for the the partners. Uh, to be fair, though, you can't see why he's so upset because this has thrown the entire plan off track. Now, and see, I, I don't know really anything about public offerings. You know, I mean, is this something that could then change again or? Well, I mean, I is it already locked in at eleven? I would imagine that uh, until it actually happens, happens. Yeah, uh, it would not be good. And then once any anybody finds out that they don't have Jaguar anymore, just the value, the the likelihood of anyone buying that stock could just completely fall, plummet. I see. Which then makes the price plummet, which then makes him not have any money. But what you, what just makes the scene though is, uh, and it's there's quite a long scene. A lot happens. But, you know, so Pete's losing it. They're in the meeting room. And in strolls Roger, tote bag in hand. Mm -hmm. And is just uh, very uh, dryly. Says, I got some good news and some bad news. 
And then Pete screams at him, Don just lost Jaguar. No, oh, I just have good news. Yeah. Um, and says that, you know, they're giving a, a presentation, like, in three days. Yeah. About uh, uh, Chevy's top new secret project. Right. And uh, And so, you know, they're excited, kind of, but Pete's obviously still upset. And, uh, you know, Don takes this and, and runs with this, you know, and like pretty much yells at Pete, you know, box up Jaguar, make sure they're completely out. And then asks, uh, asks Joan uh, to, to get some people around and she kind of loses it. And I don't know, I think I saw, and I agree with most of the reaction that this is not really, <laughs> I mean, you know, Joan made her decisions. This is not really for her to, you know, be pissed at Don about. Maybe from a company standpoint, but not an well, individual standpoint. You know, when she says, like, does it make the sacrifice, you know, it makes what I did worth nothing. Well, first of all, she's still a partner. That doesn't disappear. You know, secondly, nobody made her do that. She did it. I think nine. I think 9.5 times out of 10, if you're going to burn a bridge with a client of that size, you would definitely uh, have to clear that with the rest of the partners. That's why I would. I think that's why everyone has a right to be mad at him. He can't just do that. That's too much business. That's for true. For him to make that decision. But that's not why she's mad. Well, no, it is. Mm. I think it's partly that. Sure. I don't know. I mean, I, I do like the uh, "Don't you feel three hundred pounds lighter?" I don't know that 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 went so good because. Yeah, I don't know, think that was the right thing to say. But when she when she yeah. goes like you know when. You know, if I if I had to deal with him, you could. It's like you know that wasn't his that wasn't his choice. He did not decide to deal with him in the first place. No, but you deal with you deal with difficult clients because either you know because they're clients because they're paying you. Right. I don't know. I think I think she. I, I think maybe not because she made her decision to sleep with the client to get the business, but from a from a business like partner view, right. I think she has a lot of reason to be upset. I would be. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, shitty clients, shitty clients. What Don should have done is said, "Sure, you know, we'll send some stuff over." You know, you just play the game. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's insulting, but if it's that much money. And it's Jaguar, and it's a car. Like, this wasn't like a, you know, a crappy beans account. You know what I mean? Although that's what that's what he said, like, the episode after they got it. You know, he, he was sick of this stuff. He didn't want Jaguar. He wanted Ford. I'm just saying. No, no I agree. And I think that last uh, sentence that she says is the one that, you know, drives home the most. And obviously it comes up again later. Mm-hmm. Is the whole, you know, I'd like you to use the word we. Uh-huh. It's not everybody else on the sidelines and you in the spotlight. Oh, nice. Nice one, John. Nice one. Nice catch. Right? So, yeah. uh, you know, and I think that does hit home for a lot of people. Although, you know, like you said, in business, I mean, the the top guys, I mean, they run the show. Yeah. So, uh, but, but I can see where she was coming from with that. Everybody's standing around. You know, they all scurry and scatter when they walk out. Uh, Don, Don is still on track. You know, he... he he heard her, but he's he's ready to go uh, with oh, yeah. with this Chevy thing. Pete doesn't know what to think because he was on his high horse about screaming at Don for losing Jaguar, but now they have a chance with Chevy. They would have had to drop Jaguar just like CGC had to drop 
alpha to do yeah, this. Yeah, because it's a non-compete, so you can't do both. Right. Yep. So. Uh, we then get all the creative into uh, Down's office, and we kind of hear what's going on. It's the super secret, super new car. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Mustang killer, right? Right. Um, it's a, it's a huge new thing. Uh, now, a lot of our listeners have tweeted in that they think it's the Chevy Vega. Now, if this is true, this is a disaster. The Chevy Vega was a complete turd of a car. Sorry to hear that. So this could be, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if uh, you know, uh, moving forward, yeah, I mean, they'll get the advertising from this car, but if the car is a complete turd, I wonder if that has any effect on them. I would guess not really. I mean, they're just doing the advertising for it. It's not their fault still. Well, I don't know how that works. I mean, if you're a, if you're the firm for a company, are you the firm for a model or are you the firm for Chevy? Uh, that's a good point. Uh, it seems as if normally you're an agency or rec- uh, for that kind of business, you're an agency of record. But, you know, maybe they do do it by model just because of how... No. Looking at car commercials, it's definitely... There's like an agency they use for everything. Yeah, and they, they could be right. I mean, according to our friends at the Wikipedia, the Vega was conceived in 1968. And a complete turd muffin. And the development ran through 1970 before mm-hmm. being released. Mm-hmm. So, fart sound. But it was a, a fart sound. It was around for seven years, 70 to 77, in production. But plagued with difficulty. Mm-hmm. Rusted, rusted through like a mother. Terrible car. You ever seen the Vega? Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I can't say no. that I've you, been familiar with it. We kids, when we were kids, you ever see a Vega? No. No, of course not. They rusted out before we were born. <laughs> well, that's probably what account for why they're not doing so good. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, everybody's all excited about it, even the chance of naming it. Uh, it turns out Chaw uh, is working himself to death over this. We find ourselves, um, you know, at the end of the day. In his office, he uh, looks a little drunk, trying to get his TV to work. He seemed to have gotten it on the floor, which probably isn't the best place to get reception. Peggy hears him wrestling around in there and comes in and helps him put the TV back up on the, I don't know, TV stand, whatever. Um, he's uh, he's kind of waxing on about how losing his partner, losing his balance is uh, it's pretty dangerous. Um Peggy says that uh, uh, gives him a compliment when uh, people, he, he thinks people always say that he's too nice. She says that he's strong and whack kisses her right on the mouth. John. I tell you what, I saw this scene and the moment she walked in, I was like, they're, they're going to make out. Kissing her right on the mouth. It just had that feel. Right on the mouth. And, the, you know, they've is been kind of dropping hints. Yelled out when they, when, when the scene, when the scene. When we switched to this scene, did you just right on the mouth? Yeah, right in the kisser. Yeah, as they say. But uh, you know, and, and he doesn't pursue it. You know, he apologizes and just says he's grateful. So you know, it's not like he's uh, you know all about uh, Peggy uh, at this moment. And uh, you know, obviously, like you said, he's drunk. He's very in a bad place with the business and the partner. Very stressed out. Yeah, very a lot of stress. Out. He's got stress coming out of everywhere. So, you know, pro- you know, just maybe a bad decision, but obviously I think Peggy um, took it as a little bit more. She was disappointed he didn't pursue, in fact, as she timidly oh. makes her way out of the office. 
That's true. I was I was watching this on the way home tonight, and if you notice in that scene, she pushes him away, right? Yeah. But she follows her push. Right. It's it's a it's a it's not a stop. It's a uh, listen. I'm obligated by law to tell you to stop, but <laughs> if you don't want to, please don't. Pretty. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what the dialogue in her head was was saying. Uh, you, but you, you know what I find a little bit inconsistent, John. Yeah, tell is me. That, is that they've made Cha such a super nice dude, right? Right. But in was it last season when like he was being a real dick to Don? Remember, like he called and he acted like he was. Who did he act like he was? Senator Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He acted like he, like he was a real dick before Peggy came over, and now he's like the nicest guy in town. Well, I think you know it, from a dick standpoint, it was more along Yo, the lines okay. of. It was more along the lines of a, uh, you know, a, a competition. You know, it's not like he ever, you know, uh, threw a threw a bomb through the window, or I don't think that's what I was suggesting, John. Right. I think I, it's just he just seemed like more of a he was a rabble rouser, not nice person. I see. I'm just saying. No, you're right, but they have they've made him seem super nice uh, this this time, and I think probably to lead up to that one scene where he's like, "Don't say I'm nice." Yeah, because he's not. And he's, you know, he, and luckily he doesn't, you know, he's in good health. He uh, is his pancreas is working, and he doesn't need a heart transplant. Oh, that's good because the next guy, he's trying to put it in somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know. That was stupid. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Anyways, uh, we're back at the apartment. He's looking a little haggard, the good doctor, and uh, maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit drunk. He is uh, asking Don if he wants to get a drink. Says he just quit his job. Says he had a heart and um, and a kid that needed it. They're 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 both dead. He's not going to be able to, to do a transplant. And some uh, some jerk off in Houston is going to be the first American uh, to do a heart transplant in a person. And he is wasting his life here in New York. <laughs> yeah, just pissing it away. And you know, I think all that's going through Don is. Wow, you're quitting your job. You're going to be around all the time. <laughs> uh, is your, hey, hey, man, uh, is your son still home? I just, just, just wondered. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, I don't know. He kind of has that feeling. I had an extra baseball. I thought I'd bring it down. He's not home though. That's fine. Um, yeah, uh, it was. I, you got to feel bad for the doctor because you know he's just trying to. He, he wants to just. He wants to do new things. It's not working out. Now he's quit his well, job. That's no, not it's not that. It's, it's not that he job. wants to do new things. He wants to be in the history book. He doesn't want to just right? be one of the people that's doing this. He wants to be the guy that did this. What's wrong with that? Nothing. But I, I think. Nothing's but wrong I think that. if you you know if you take that approach, you know, so if he's not the first, but he could do ten a year for the next fifteen years and save those people. But he's going to turn his back on it because he's not the first. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's a I think you know a little too. Prideful. I think that's I think that, but that's not his that's not his situation. I think he's just more frustrated with the fact that the hospital he was at wouldn't let him do it. What? Oh, I didn't think it was that they wouldn't let him. I just thought he didn't have the facilities. No, they chickened out. That's what he said. He's like the hospital chickened out. Hmm. That's totally it. Plus, John, if I can ask, because you're a yeah. doctor. Uh, what were the chances of anybody surviving the first heart transplant? 
Uh, pretty good. I mean, they had done it in dogs. And but there's not... I thought it was all the rejection problems. Yeah, no, the rejection problems are huge. Um, but... So how are your chances pretty good because they've done it on dogs? Well, I'm just saying, you know, if, if you're going to be dead in a month anyways, it's, you know, kind of worth a shot. And, you know, they did a heart transplant in uh, about five months before this episode, so December of 67, in South Africa, and it was successful. And then uh, I guess our good doctor friend can hold his head high in that the uh, jerks in Houston were not, in fact, the first ones in the States to do it. Uh, rather, Dr. Norman Shumway performed it at Stanford. Good old Norman, Norman Shumway. Shumway. I often tip my hat Uncle to of on a Alf. daily basis. All right. Uncle Norm. But so we get uh, we get out of here, and now, now things are just going really bad. Okay. So not only do we... Oh, I'm sorry. Did it, do, it, do you want me to... Let me, let me have you take the next scene. Okay. There's a little scene coming up next. Once Don gets... Uh, once Don gets back from... Uh, from the elevator, <laughs> he, he heads. Uh, he heads home, and uh, it must be just early morning times. And uh, he's like, ah, "I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna come home and sleep on it." But now I think I'm just gonna take a shower and go back in. And Megan's like, "I love it when you're like this." And he's like, "Whoa!" And uh, she says, "I want to do whatever possible to help you be Superman. When I'm done with you, you're gonna." J- <laughs> Jump off the balcony and fly to work. Just like Superman. Um, and then she goes, and apparently uh, Don had dropped a quarter on the floor or something of the effect. And uh, I'm just assuming that she was picking. Well, here, up. I thought the theme of the episode was shoe shining. And so. Okay. <laughs> uh, for immediate relief. Right, so she went to shine moving the on, shoes. Moving on. Moving on. on. Uh, uh, we find ourselves. We we we. I, I, they they transition out of that scene uh, with Don at the airport, um, and I think you're supposed to. Uh, it's supposed to infer that Don was thinking back to uh, to that to that shoe shine incident um, as he was sitting there. In the well, airport. yeah, you, you can see so he we, has his legs crossed. He's admiring his shoes, but they are. Um, yeah, but it, apparently there's a large agency also with them, uh, dancer. Mm-hmm. And they're Dancer. also heading out to take a stab at Is Chevy. Is Dancer still around anymore? Because I have never heard of that. You've never heard of Dancer the Agency? I know it was a real I've one. Never heard of that it agency. Was a, it was a real one. I can't tell you if they're still around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that but up. But anyways, the go. Dancer guy lets him know that uh, Vic Chemical is gone. And they're like, what? And so they we flash to the office, and, and yes, Pete's freaking out. Vic Chemical is gone. What the what? Oh, it's not good, John. And I'll tell you what: if you don't put me through to Tommy, you don't want me in your lobby. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I mean, let, Pete. Let's be fair. No one wants you. No one wants you in anybody's lobby. Well, and I, okay? I mean, doesn't it feel like any kind of threat from Pete Campbell just is empty? Oh, yeah, like a you know, a, a plastic bag blowing through the air has more force behind it than a Pete Campbell threat. I believe the, I believe you there, John. Just to fill you in on the whole Dancer Fitzgerald situation, Dancer Fitzgerald was acquired by uh, Sachi and Sachi. Oh, uh, in 1987, um, Sachi and Sachi, of course, still a gigantic um, force 
uh, in advertising and branding here in the city. Well, thank you for that uh, historical update. Bit, I've I've been to their offices many times, and they're kind of terrifying. But so, but you know, Pete storms out, and Bert actually says, "Hey, get Roger on the phone about this. He can take care of it." But we we actually don't see yeah. that actually anything with that happen. And well, it looks as if maybe they did get Roger on the phone because then he kind of comes back and sits down. Uh, I'm wondering if they mm-hmm. did, uh, but I don't think Roger was going to tell Don about it because really, what right. would it do? Sorry. But, uh, you know, so we do find that Pete followed through on his threat. Here he is. Oh, he did. In the yeah. office. And it was funny because Tom, it looks like he has to squint to see him. You know, Pete is kind of shiny in the forehead, nay, five-head region. And, <laughs> and I mean, and he, he's oh, just kind of awful. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, and he kind of was like, you know, Tom, what, what, really, what, what's going on? You know, yeah. I, I think we I can, you know, I think he tries to be smooth about it. He, you know, he tries to, um, you know, really tamp down his, uh, his uh, anger. I feel as if Pete somehow did a, he just didn't do a good job here. He couldn't talk his way out of this. Roger could have talked his way out of this. The problem was, is that Pete just got mad. Because once Tom started talking about how Trudy's a princess, you can't imagine this and that. There just wasn't enough throwing this all back into onto Tom's court. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like I feel like he just did a bad job here and just kind of gave up and left. He did. Well, that because there there is no way you could reason that Tom could reason himself out of guilt on this. You know what I mean? What I mean, if you if you go about it the right way, no, you'd have to go about this the right way, and I'll tell you why. Because number one, Pete is not does not have the uh, uh, the underhand here because Tom does not know that him and Trudy are living apart, right? Because they've they've kept up face, right? We know this, right? 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 So there's no instead of going personal with it, he stays in like this really kind of weird businessy place yeah but not entirely you know what i mean because like you said he gets angry no no no. he does get angry but he like he doesn't take it i don't know i just feel like he did this wrong i don't know how to explain which we could say at the end of most of the p campbell scenes fair enough john you know what he did right though tell me his tie and his handkerchief his pocket handkerchief they match oh look at that you know what i'm gonna give i'm gonna give uh, bob benson the credit on that one Okay, yeah. God, what would we do without him? <laughs> I'd probably try and cover our uh, noses with a, uh, a handkerchief to avoid the paint fumes. This was Fair so enough. weird. Going, going from weird to weirder, John. Um, number one, and I don't know if I've mentioned this. Uh, my good oh buddy my Abe God. here. Uh, it, it's got to it, stop. It's got to stop. Good buddy Abe here uh, in his tidy whities, which is just really unflattering and gross. Uh, uh, reading a book that looks a very tiny type. I don't know if it's the Bible or what. Not cool. Um, Peggy is not having a good time here, though. She thinks um, the house sucks. Uh, she can't walk around in bare feet. Uh, apparently, John, I don't know if you've mentioned, but there's poop in the, the hallway. The loud upstairs tenants. The, the loud, the music, the hey, hey, the kids and the youths. It's not cool. Um, 
And, you know, I feel it, but I feel like uh, Abe doesn't get mad here. Like, he stays very kind of nice and cordial about it all. Um, but Peggy, uh, for some reason, decides to imagine him as Chuck. <laughs> Who was reading something by Ralph Waldo Emerson. I was wondering what that was. Do you have any background on that one? No, I think it's a joke. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I don't do well with the literary humor. You know, it's, it, it, because remember when he interviewed her, he, he breaks out the Emerson quote. And, and she was like, I remember him, sure, from school. You know, so it's, it, it's just something by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Okay. Oh, okay. I get you. That's hilarious. I thought so. It is funny. But, uh, yeah, yeah, she, um, she just kind of uh, has a little hallucination and, you know, kiss me and... Goes in for the uh, the smooch with the absent Shaw. Uh, I'm going to say this. Uh, I think that's all just, just all just paint fuse talking, right. John. You know, you, you, you huff too much glue or paint, and I'm not going to say I've done either, but it can mess with your head. <laughs> Am I right? Oh, my friend. You're so right. You're so right. But, uh, you know, so she's going to have kind of her weird Chaw slash Abe night, and Don's going to have his uh, tough night as well. You know, he's got the biggest presentation of his career coming up. Understandably anxious. Hits the bar. I uh, can't imagine what he's drinking. Looks like a vodka and cranberry. And um, who's to come to the bar but Chaw? And Chaw. neither one knows that they're going to be there. Chaw's pissed off. Why are you here? Had no idea he'd be coming. And um, he's he's like that's it, it's over. And he's not upset that Don's there because Don's gonna win. He's you know he he's saying, look, we got you and not you and me, not big companies. We're gonna give them the great ideas, and they'll give it to the big company. And then they actually share their ideas. Did you see this? Like, was this shocking to you? No, I figured they both thought it was over. So why not? Right. You know, and so yeah, I mean, I guess. You could share your idea and maybe you could kind of like build it. Like, you know, if Don had shared his idea with Shaw and Shaw could kind of work it into his idea. Their ideas were kind of distinctly different. Yeah. One one was about future and one was about... What was Shaw's about? Um, oh, no. You caught me. Like hit the road, Jack. You don't need a map. You just drive. Yeah. Shaw's is about freedom. And Don's is about future. Right. So, I mean, not really. I don't know. I guess you could mail them together. But apparently they did because, you know, they won the Well, actually, they show us, uh, some people have sent in um, some ads that actually show Don's work. That they have this little coming soon, you know, this kind of tease without an image of the car. But it's like, you know, here it comes. You know, this, this little car that uh, is, you need it. And yes, the car moves like a rabbit. Uh, you know, fant <laughs> fantastic. And the, the the logo is actually the Chevy logo with the bottom part made as double doors. You'd like that. And <laughs> the, the doors yeah, are just barely cracked open and you can just make out like kind of a windshield and a couple headlights. But nothing, no details. So, mm. you know, that's kind of the, uh, the idea. So, anyways, they, they share their ideas. 
and uh, you know, Jaws says you know that uh, you know uh, we're getting screwed, and Don Don picks up on the we. You know, we go back to the Joan thing, and it's no longer I, it's we. Um, mm-hmm. And he says, "Well, how, what, what do you think? You and I combined together, we got the greats, we got the goods, we got the the creative, and together we're you know we're a big company." Mm-hmm. And Shaw um, goes for it. And by the way, this is a real situation. This happens a lot. What you? you we're we're going to merge tonight. Small... No, 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 not the merging. The 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 small agencies. Yeah. So they bring in the small agencies that yeah. are hungry, and work really hard, um, and and pretty much take their creative because it's a pitch. So they still own it, right? right? And they'll just give it to a larger agency to then implement. The small agency will, or the person receiving the pitch. The person receiving the pitch. Wow. It's happened. It's happened to to us before. It happens all wow. the time. You know, and and um, what's amazing is that, you know, you, you think well, it's just two guys making the decisions. Well, actually, you got two other partners here in Cutler and Roger that also go along with this. It's not a terrible idea. I mean, it's kind of it's. I mean, it's just true. You need to be of a certain size to handle that account. Well, and of course, it sets you know? up you know wonderfully. Uh, what what kind of dynamic will we be looking at over the next several episodes? You know, who's in charge? Who's the creative? Who's the accounts? You know, what goes where? All this stuff. And I don't know. I think. I mean, in reality, what I think you might do is you would just. You know, Don would lead his team and Chaw would lead his team and it would, you know, you would just run account by account. They wouldn't, you know, their team members could switch around back and forth, but essentially you would just still run your own show. Right, right. But, you know, then what about the new business? Would you just go every other? Well, yeah, I guess Um, whoever worked on the pitch, though, you know what I mean? Like you could just, whoever, yeah, I guess guess that's true. You could fight over who gets to do the pitch. But anyway, you're right, John. Ch- the chances for interesting dynamic all up and over the place. And we and, and luckily we get to see a 68 Stingray, which is quite a hoss there. You like that? A little showroom. Oh, of course you do. The, if you notice, they showed it like they showed two good shots of it twice. This nice car. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's one of the best, in my opinion. And I don't even I, don't don't tell anybody. But I don't like Corvettes that much, but I love Stingrays. Big difference? Uh, to me, yeah. The Stingray and then just the kind of normal Corvette designs. I, it's weird. It's like, the, to, to me, the Stingray was like the last really cool Corvette where the Stingrays. And then you kind of got into the, and I don't know, I could be wrong. I'm sure people that love Stingray or people that love Corvettes would say I'm wrong. But you kind of, I think after the Stingrays, which to me seems like a special edition Corvette in a way because they're so different from the other ones. Um, after the Stingrays, the kind of design aesthetic that you're more used to, you know, throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s kind of took over. The kind of wedgy, no flared fendery Corvettes. Of course, they just released kind of a new Stingray, uh, although I still like the old ones better. Okay. Sorry, did we just did we derail there? Oh, that's all right. That's okay. We're gonna take a left turn. I'm sorry, everybody. And then a quick right, and we're back on track. And uh, okay, it's amazing you. what we what we've seen happen over the course of not even an hour, although much longer in real time. We saw Pete going from 
you know, just on top of the world, public offering, uh, you know, we're going to be rich over our wildest dreams to, you know, having lost Jaguar, which, you know, was his baby, having lost Vix, which was a family thing, and now he is the one that's, you know, personally getting rid of Trudy. You know, he's taken up uh, a seat in the kitchen. She comes comes in like, well, what are you doing here? And he just drops the bomb uh, that his uh, he caught her dad hanging out of the, uh, uh, what, a brothel? Sure, why not? A, a brothel with a heavy set. I think he said Negro woman. John, let me say this. In what world did he see this ending well? But he didn't. You know, I think that's, that's kind of one of his just innumerable flaws is that he didn't he didn't see this. He's just like, well, this was simply reactionary. You know, Tom Tom broke the unspoken rule of, you know, punishing me for what I was doing, so I'll punish him for what he was doing. And that's it. I mean, he wasn't thinking about her or the relationship or their daughter, you know, he just wanted to, he just wanted to get back at him. Oh God, he's such, well, no, but here's the thing. What kind of epic turd are you? You're already kind of on the outs because you slept with the neighbor. Right. Uh, you've tried to worm your way back in and it looks like you may be making some progress, but then you'd be like, Hey, check this out. I saw your dad at a whorehouse while I was whoring it up for my own self. Like what? What do you... Right. Oh, God, what an idiot. What an idiot. I hate this guy. And it's, and it's over, you know, and like, I mean... Oh, it's over. Thank you, Trudy. I think, Thank I mean, I, I can't imagine we'll get to see much of her, you know? I know, which is too bad because I love Trudy. She's had some great lines in this in this season. Yeah. No, she's been a fun, a pretty fun character. And then uh, this next scene, we, uh, you know, we see um, Peggy get summoned to go see Chaw. She gets a little excited. Tosses on some makeup, heads in, yeah. and this has just got to be the the biggest kick to the gut when she oh walks God, in there what? and sees Don just hanging out on the couch in the madman pose, one arm on the uh, couch. So. You know, I mean, he's just taking up residence. Jeez. And, uh, you Jeez. know, I, how Peggy didn't start to vomit, I mean, I give her a lot of credit. I mean, but to be fair, I feel like, number one, maybe Chaw has talked to Don about, you know, Peggy's feelings and how they've been working because Don definitely does kind of come at it with a, I know I've done this wrong in the past kind of situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like they're they're very, I mean, she's like the first person to find out. It's really quite impressive, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it, but yeah, it's total, it's a total shock. It's like, oh, God, what? No. Um, yeah, she does look, when she gets back to her office, as if she's going to puke. Yeah. You know, Chaw tries to, yeah, I mean, I think he knows she'll be a little anxious about this. And, um, you know, he says you're going to be, you know, one of the top 25 uh, creative directors. You're not even 30. But they're like, you name it. You know, you take care of it. So they're trying to, I think, like you said, really bring her in at the top. And, awesome. and, and awesome Don defers her. to Ted at this point when she says, you know, who do I give the the release to? And so she does, she, she really kind of absently walks back. Uh, I can't imagine what's going through her head 
right now. Um, head on the back of the door for the last time typing out something on the CGC letterhead and um, you know it, it says for immediate release with the name of the episode hey there it is <laughs> um, indeed indeed so exciting times though John what's gonna happen next I sure don't know it's uh it's gonna be impressive though uh, you're, you're right I mean when we come back uh, next week is it gonna be all about uh, the new the new setup the new offices or or is it going to be new offices are they just going to go to they said they said they were moving what cgc said they're moving oh. you know so they're just going to move Maybe. in to time life get another right floor. maybe maybe so maybe so john that's the end of the episode uh that that was great i would like to thank you for recapping with uh, me. thanks for having me Oh, it's you're the best recapper I could do. Oh, it's my with. pleasure. Because you God, God knows you can't recap by yourself. <laughs> People have tried and they have failed. But uh, no, it was a really good show, and and you know, like you said, we don't know what's uh, coming up. We do know we got some bad news coming. Well, we already we already lost uh, Dr. Martin Luther, uh, the King, and it looks like uh, we're about Bobby. a month away uh, from from Bobby, Bobby as well. So that, I would have to imagine that's that they're not going to skip that one. Um, no, nope, so that'll probably, probably, probably be where we'll set, we'll, where we'll take up, uh, take up the next episode. You know what I'd like to take up right now? What's Dan? that? Opening up that. Hey, all right. Bag. Just ripping that thing open. That sounds good to me. Okay, would you like me to open? Please. it? Please. <laughs> Sorry, like I said, the soundboard's on the fritz, <laughs> so that was not. That's not the official, but that's all I've got. Well, and, and we, we appreciate you giving us your all. <laughs> Read all right, something. here we go. Uh, go through. The, we, we got a lot. We got a lot. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Doc Leo writes in, thanks for your wonderful podcast. Ignore those mean people. You're great. Uh, and this was talking about the Planet of the Apes that in the, in the 60s, movie theaters only showed one movie. I did not know that. If you wanted to see your movie, you went to the one theater showing that movie, and you could go in any time you wanted um, with just the one ticket. And so if you went in halfway through the movie, you could just stay and watch it up to that point and then head out. Um, okay. And uh, they saw Planet of the Apes when they were 12. Very impressed. Have you seen Planet of the Apes? I have. And? Uh, you know, it's weird. Like I said, the whole I don't know if it's just like a time warp or something, but the whole Charlton has some terrible acting things. Just really, it's a tough pill yeah. to swallow. Uh, all right. Well, our friend Andrew from Indianapolis. You were asking about our listeners in Indiana. Oh, hey, we have uh, Indianapolis. Right, in. Another Listener. outstanding recap this week. Listeners need to realize what Paul brings to the podcast and appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Or at least tolerate it. Thank, well, that's Q Cue morning zoo effect sound now. Waka waka. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, of course, Betty does not want Sally to watch television uh, because she doesn't know what's going to happen after seeing uh, Ruby killed live on TV. Actually, I, I don't know. I thought Betty was actually trying to keep Bobby from watching more as the punishment uh, so much than, than Sally. No, nope, no, nope, I think he's um, right. You know, she doesn't know what's going to happen, wants to guard her, although, you know, he harkens way back to Sally seeing the Buddhist monk burn himself on TV uh, way back. Ooh. 
uh, well, we get to see Bobby number four featured uh, for the first time. And, uh, and just as Sally has Betty's tendencies, so does Bobby have Don's. He lies and denies when he, what, what got him in trouble and thinks he can cope with just movies. Uh, he also wrote in, please research the significance of Indianapolis uh, with the Dr. King assassination, which was fascinating because Bobby Kennedy was in Indianapolis when that happened. Actually, just shortly mm-hmm. after that happened, and Indianapolis had uh, really no riots. It was you know, one of the most untouched cities, and people think because of how Bobby Kennedy uh, handled it. And you can see his speech on, online. It was remarkable. Uh, Carol yeah. writes in from Connecticut. Uh, hi, thank you, Dr. John, for uh, responding to me, which I tried to do. And uh, said so they listened to the flow. I wanted to let Paul know that I appreciated the extra effort he put in on the episode. You're welcome. Uh, not sure how I feel about the circuit sounds, but I definitely think he brought more insight uh, into some of the scenes that he talked about more in depth. Keep it up. All right. I I didn't. And uh, says, do you think the promo pictures that they released prior to the season start, where they all were dressed in some sort of fancy event, were from an upcoming episode? Nope. No. Just, just promo, promo pictures. pictures. Okay. And yeah. so we get, uh, thank you, and we get Phil from Indianapolis. Another Indianapolis person. They're everywhere. Oh, wow. That's, That's two. two. If I do my math um, right. I've been a long time, uh, long time and up to this point silent listener of the show. And although I've never heard another Madman-related podcast, I'm absolutely certain you two are the best out there. What has inspired right. my first ever interaction with the show is Paul's incessant use of the Morning Zoo sound effect in the most recent episode. Buckle, buckle. I have to say... They had me absolutely rolling funnier than the actual sounds themselves, though was Dr. John's subtle but ever-increasing wearing of the nerves with each passing gorilla screech and boo hiss. Uh, I agree. That was the <laughs> Top best Top three funniest moment in the annals of Mad Men, for sure. The that annals. said, please, Paul, don't ever do that again. <laughs> Make, and, and you I have haven't. Making, I this haven't a, the <laughs> making this a running gag would be about as appealing as the Meredith spinoff show Paul has been clamoring for. Which we will do. <laughs> Absolutely love the podcast. As a web series. Uh, great job. Um, we, got, we got an email from Colleen. I actually put this up on the Facebook that you can check out at Mad Men Recap. It was really a fascinating uh, take. Somebody did the previous episode in Facebook format. They've, somebody's been doing every episode in Facebook So I hadn't format. seen that. Yeah, no. You hadn't? People had been sending that to no, us. No, no. This was the first one I had seen, so... I, uh, I really appreciated that. Uh, so if you haven't seen them, you can check out one of the episodes on the, on the Facebook. Our friend D writes in from Surrey, England. What up, D? And says, hey, D here. Uh, listening to you whilst doing some gardening. The only thing is I laugh out loud, and that could seem strange to the unsuspecting neighbors and passersby. Just doing Great to have you back in full swing great. with the podcast and all the characters. Don't disappoint. Great acting. Love Don and Roger, always so smart. Very pleasing on the eye and the fashions for the female characters. Brilliant, making the show great visually. Thanks, D. Uh, Dan writes in from New York, just around your corner. Keep the sound effects coming. You ask your listeners to send in theories about that high insurance pal of Roger. Right? Remember that, Randy? Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, following, uh, I had a conversation with my friend... My, with at a conversation with my friend uh, that Randy represents the narcissistic self-indulgent side of the 60s in contrast to the social activist side represented by Martin Luther King his kind of self-involved drug taking will overwhelm the activism of the era and turn the 70s into the me decade 
as just kind of that's the the first part of it. But I thought it was interesting because somebody else wrote in and was like, "Yeah, you know, he was just comic relief in a crummy episode, you know, where where Martin Luther dies." So hmm. uh, no, because he wasn't particularly funny at all. Well, just by by his craziness. All right. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I appreciate that. From Dan, and says, "P.S. I, I miss Kate. Maybe she could operate the soundboard. That would be nice for her." Do you, want, do you guys want me to tell you where Kate's at? Tonight? Oh yeah, no. not here. Uh, we got an email from our friend Paul. Writes in, uh, "When your podcast is late, I start imagining things like maybe Paul tracked down the guy who said he talked too much and throttled him, and now Paul's incarcerated." I have that same fear. <laughs> uh, our friend uh, Dina wrote in. I think that. Paul's perspective as a New Yorker is very helpful. Had he oh, uh, had he not noted that the Second Avenue subway was still under construction, no, no one else outside of New York would know. And so that adds a little level of irony to the discussion between Peggy and the obnoxious realtor that we would have missed. Also appreciate Paul's perspective as an advertising industry insider. Uh, you guys make may like to listen to the new Femme Fatale, Fame Fatale podcast by Leslie Gornstein. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Leslie Gornstein. I had dinner with her last wow. night. Uh, uh, thank you for that email. That was so, that was so nice. Uh, we, got, um, we got one from our friend Rose that writes in. Uh, says, says She's trying to be interested in the season. Like this episode. Not, not too bad. Uh, like Don telling the pig from Jaguar to, to hit the bricks. Uh, really like the fact that there was no Betty. And I didn't see Don cheating, but he didn't have an opportunity this time. Um, but uh, didn't like the that Pete was somewhat plotting a drunk-induced rape on Joan. Uh, Joan, Joan would, could just deck him. And can we just say that Pete, uh, rapey Pete, is plotting a drunk-induced rape on literally everyone all the time. Don't be surprised, <laughs> folks. Um, she uh, Rose does say uh, that she uh, feels zero sympathy for Joan with lashing out at Don, uh, like like we were saying earlier, she made her choices, and they weren't for nothing. She still has her position, her money, uh, which is what she wanted. So, I I guess I dis- I respectfully all disagree. Right. All right, and uh, wants to wants to voice opinion about Peg- Peggy's harlot actions. Uh, that Pe- How is that she Peggy has no idea what she wants at this point. She is just wanting to be the female Don. With being with someone who represents more of a champagne lifestyle, unlike her current boyfriend, who is more down to earth. I respectfully disagree, and let's not forget Peggy's come a long way. Remember when she was given hand jobs in movie theaters? Oh, those pants! I mean, oh man, I just like burned on my brain surface. Gross. And uh, we got, to, I think, here we go. One more. You ready for one more? Yeah, All right. I can do one more. Uh, our buddy, uh, Andrew, oh no, that's, uh, uh, boy, did I get that one wrong. Here we go. Last one, Mayor writes, and this is actually on the website, love the soundboard. I would listen to you guys do a podcast about anything. Paul, you are the best. Dr. Dr. John is okay, too. No other podcast that I listen to makes me laugh like this one. Thank you so much for doing this for your listeners. How about a Bates Motel podcast? And we have had requests no. from other people for other podcasts, for other shows. Nope. We can't do it. <laughs> um, 
that uh, that was one that was beautiful. Uh, thank you for that. That was some, that was a very nice email. Although I've got to be honest with you, there are funnier podcasts out there than us. Am I right, John? Yeah. Yeah. But we try and we have fun. We're not professional comedians. Are I'm we, not. John? Are you? I'm a doctor. That's right. Uh, anyway, is that? Yeah, it? that's it. Close her up. Close in. Oh. I crumpled it by accident. <laughs> yeah. John, let me inform you in a few things here. I'm going to take you to school if I can. Oh, please do. Number yes. one, uh, I'm walking down the street every single day and people say, hey, Paul, how do we get in touch with you? And I say this, not a problem. I'll tell you. Uh, staff at madmenrecap.com. That's our email, folks. If that, if that was too hard to remember, let me say it again. Staff at madmenrecap.com. That goes directly to John and I. John reads them and responds, and I skim them real quick to see if you said anything mean about me. Uh, and you say, Paul, I don't like to write emails. I'd rather get it out in front of everybody so they can see. And I'll say, hey, I understand, but go ahead and do it. We're on the Facebooks. Mad Men Recap, we have a fan page. If you're not on the Facebook, you're just a creeper like me. You say, hey, Paul, I prefer the tweeters. That's okay. We're there too. Mad Men Recap on the tweeters. We live tweet every single show of the season and have a darn good time. I don't know if you noticed, but we've actually started talking about some of these tweets during the show. Uh, we have some hilarious They're really funny this week. Across the tweeter. Oh, they're really funny every week. You folks are amazing. You should be on the show instead of me. Uh, great job. Uh, if that is not uh, where you'd like to voice your opinions, that's okay. Because we have a website, too. It's madmenrecap.com. You can leave a comment there. If need be, this week you can see Pete falling down the stairs there over and over and over again. That said, John, I'd like to just mention one more thing. Please do. And it's our favorite thing. You can go into the iTunes, and you can look up Mad Men Recap. You find us, and you leave a review. And now, you might be saying to yourself, oh, I cannot wait to go hand it to those guys. Don't do that. Please, only leave five-star reviews. <laughs> if you feel the need to leave a one-star review, I... Why bother? Why bother hating? Seriously. Spend your time doing other things. You know what? Go downstairs. Leave your desk. Go downstairs. Get a soda. Get a little fresh air. Have a smoke. And then think about it. You don't want to leave a one star. You're not like that. You're better than that. Anyway, that's another way to just make us But I don't know if you saw one of the the most recent ones uh, that I thought you would pretty much enjoy. That um, what? Uh, love it, love it from Sun Affection. I kind of hate anyone that hates this podcast. So there. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. I feel the same. It was just funny because I'm pretty sure you're the one that wrote it. But that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. We're not we're not above self rating. I do I do self rate. I actually, well, we have like twenty three, two hundred and thirty ratings or something. Two hundred <laughs> for me, and then 30, 30 of those is our mom. So that's. Uh, that's got to make you feel good. Folks, I got to go to bed. John, yep. well done. You've done it again. You're amazing. I can't imagine another co-host. I wouldn't cheat on you ever. I don't believe you, but thank you. Next week, we're going to have See you next week. All right. Bye-bye, right. buddy.